Hello and a very warm welcome to a new episode of Women Build, brought to you by World Architecture News from Alison and Nav. In today's episode, we speak to Kelly Hoffman about designing later living communities, the amenities necessary to encourage interaction between residents and the importance of client and resident feedback. Kelly is a senior partner and interior designer at RDG Planning and Design. Her career spans over 20 years with a primary focus on designing senior living communities, creating spaces that enhance the quality of life of the people who live and work within them. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you very much for joining us. You've spent a significant number of years working in senior living design. So can I ask you, what drew you to this area of work? Sure. Um, I would say that from a really young age, I was aware of how the environment could affect your mood and your feelings and how important it was. I kind of always knew what I wanted to do in terms of design. What I didn't know was the type of design that I would be doing my entire career, which is senior living. I was drawn to it for a couple of reasons. One was a personal reason with my grandmother starting to have some cognitive decline and watching my mom look for a place to put her mom. And I realized what a sensitive and emotional journey that was. And I was introduced to the senior living industry in that way. And at the same time in design school, one of my professors, his area of expertise was senior living design. So I was given my senior thesis project, which was to design a senior living community from the ground up of any level of care of my choosing. That led me to reach out to a company in St. Louis who specialized in senior living to do some research for my project. And I started their observation turned into an internship and internship turned into a six year career there. And those three things kind of all combined and landed me in senior living. So I started there and I've never left. And it must be really rewarding to see the difference you can make and the comfort you can give to an older person through an appropriate design. It is. It is. And like I said, my perspective going into this, I didn't see it through the lens of the resident who was my grandmother at the time, but I saw it from a family member. And so that's kind of the cool thing about senior living is there's so many different people whose lives you touch and influence. It's such an important phase of life, isn't it? It is. You talk about senior living. What's the correct term? Is it later living or senior living? Is there a a sort of nuance there that we need to be aware of? Well, in the U.S., it's senior living, but people use different phrases all the time. People call it senior housing, senior living are probably the two most commonly referred to. For me, when I say that, it is a continuum of care. So when I say senior housing, it's a built environment that can range from skilled nursing, independent living, assisted living, varying levels of care. So Um, Senior housing or senior living is what we refer to it most commonly. And that's quite a broad range of ages and abilities that you're having to think about. Is that a considerable challenge? It is, yes. And so, you know, at the start of every project, one of the first things we do, because many times our clients do offer all of those levels of care. So when you're engaged in a project, that's the first question is, who are we serving? Who is this environment serving? Is it, you know, memory care where you're dealing with cognitive issues or is it independent living? And so understanding who it is 
you're designing for is important. And then also working with the staff and the owner to better understand their residence is important too. You know, we apply all these principles that we learn along the way in school and whatnot, but you have to certainly learn from the owner and the client that you're working with to better understand their residence. Has later living design changed in the last decade? Is this type of housing growing in popularity with potential residents? I guess that depends on who you ask. I would say yes, it has it has changed. Like as I've been in the industry for 22, 23 years, give or take. And, you know, I would say some of the most significant changes that I've seen is a continued push to make the living environments less institutional, specifically for skilled nursing, where the environment, you know, the needs are higher. It is a little bit more, you know, care-based model, but the focus has been trying to make it more residential, as residential as you can. You know, that's been one trend. I would say that as an industry, one of the things the senior living industry talks about quite a bit is how we're not really good about telling the story of what senior living can be, what it is today. I think that a lot of people still have the idea of a very institutionalized medical model when they think about senior living, and that's not the case. Whether you are in a skilled nursing environment or assisted living, the intent is to make it as residential as possible. And I think many people don't realize that and don't know how wonderful of an opportunity and community it can be, the opportunities that it provides you when you move in of socialization and all the opportunities for living a purposeful life. There's still a lot of fear, I think, fear of I don't want to go to the nursing home because what they knew it to be 20, 30, 40 years ago. I think a significant lack of understanding of what is out there for people. And you mentioned that you obviously have to work with the client and their needs, but are there some essential elements that go into all of your designs? Yes. I always like to say that senior living design is very subtle, but deliberate. So as all of us age, we're going to have certain struggles, hopefully not severe or maybe all of them, but there are cognitive issues. There are mobility issues, hearing and sight challenges that we will all start to develop in the aging process. So when you're designing a space, we're addressing all of them. So, you know, we know that the aging eye requires a significant amount of light, much more than a younger eye. So making sure that the spaces that we design have adequate lighting, have general lighting and task lighting. We suffer maybe loss of hearing as we get older. So making sure that the environments have the right ceiling treatments and acoustical considerations, that's important. Even just at the very, very beginning of designing a community, working with the architects and looking at the floor plan, the footprint of the space and making sure that walking distance are manageable from your apartment or your room to the dining venue. And if you do have to walk a farther distance, making sure that there are spaces to stop and rest and making it so that it's not so daunting that you never want to leave your room. All of those challenges can be addressed through design, making sure that residents feel safe in their environment, leaving their apartment if they are 
um, transitioning from one flooring material to another. Maybe they have a walker or an assisted device, making sure that they don't have any barriers that they need to overcome, that it's a smooth, open, safe pathway. Making sure that in the corridors there are handrails if they need to hold on to something, if they don't have an assisted device of some kind. Little things like that are just some of the considerations. Yeah, it's the little things, isn't it? That count. And if you're relatively young, you really have to put yourself in that person's situation to be able to see what's needed. For example, the, the handrails and the distances they would need to cover to get to places. What do you think is going to happen in the world of senior living in the next five to 10 years? Do you see any big changes on the horizon? You know, I would say that we continue to see as we're trying to address the younger residents and the needs of the boomers that are coming and here, you know, there's more of a focus on, or I would say continued focus on wellness. The residents that are moving into these communities are smart and savvy and demanding, and they want a high quality of life. They want to live a purposeful life. The communities that are being built today have to address those and they have to compete with the other communities that are being built everywhere down the street. So they are needing to have wonderful fitness facilities and they're putting in indoor saltwater pools and exercise rooms and cardio rooms and multiple dining venues. So they're having to address and build to the demands of the residents. That's something we've been seeing for a long time. That's not changing. That's just continuing to progress. Mm. And do you often get called back to a project to upgrade or change? As you mentioned, things change and people want more out of these environments now. Yes, absolutely. They used to say it was about every seven to 10 years. And that really varies from owner to owner as to how often they make updates to their community. But Yes, I mean, there are so many communities out there that being marketable and attractive against all of the other competitive, you know, or competitors out there on the marketplace is pretty important for these owners and operators. So seven to 10 is a good kind of rule of thumb, but it does vary some, of course. How do you ensure that residents still maintain their independence while also making sure that apartments are age-proof and accessible? There's technology out there that allows residents to get help if and when needed. There are wearable devices that are out there that they can call assistance if and when needed within the built environment, just in their apartments in general, you know, we're seeing things like roll-in showers, making it just easier to get about their apartments by themselves without assistance. So roll-in showers, accessible countertops, controls are on the front of the appliances as opposed to on the very back so that it's easier to reach. Cabinetry that's lower, pull-out drawers, just little things that make it easier as you age to get around and use the items in your apartments. You touched on technology a bit earlier. So how do your designs incorporate technology such as smart home features? Mm -hmm. How do you ensure that they are suitable for residents now and in the future? As you mentioned earlier, the boomer generation is going to start coming through where you're designing for people who are familiar with this technology and might not want to lose that. I think the technology aspect and how much of it goes into each of these apartments and the communities, you know, is a conversation that has to happen at the very beginning starting with the owner and the operators and what they're willing to put in. And it's really a team effort between them and the architects, your other disciplines, and your designer. So we are seeing it 
become more and more popular. Like you mentioned, smart homes, people want to be able to, you know, have their Alexas and have the ability to control their surroundings as much as possible, whether that's heating and cooling or lighting and how communication is delivered to you as a resident. So, you know, it used to be a conversation of simple things like, are we going to have Wi-Fi? Well, absolutely, you're going to have Wi-Fi. Now residents are wanting to Zoom and use all kinds of platforms to communicate with friends and loved ones that live long distance. So providing the technology and the communication tools like that on campus or more specifically within their units is certainly a must these days how communication is delivered to the residents as to like what the happenings are, the socialization opportunities within the community and the activities. I'm thinking about resident wellness now. How important would you say material selection is to creating healthy living environments? Yes, I would say they are very important. Residents are very mindful these days. You know, they're very cognizant and responsible people and they want to make sure that the environment they're living in is not creating any harm. So they're very savvy in terms of the safety of materials that are, you know, that are being used. So they are wanting to know, and especially like an an example of a new build or renovation project, we worked with residents and they want to know if the materials are recyclable and they want to know the impact that they might have on the environment. They want to know that the air that they're breathing is clean. And what are some examples of the amenities that you design within these communities? Certainly for an independent living, it's very typical that there's a community clubhouse that serves all of the independent living residents. And you can typically find large multi-purpose rooms that can be used for a large or a wide variety of activities, gatherings, the salons, full service salons are locations where you can get your hair done, your nails done, a manicure, pedicure, massage, salons that can rival any kind of freestanding salon that you might go to outside of a senior living community. Multiple dining venues are are the norm now where it used to be one dining room Now there are multiple and different settings. So there might be a bar and a pub and there might be a casual dining environment, a grab and go, something more formal and private dining room. Arts and crafts. It just amazes me to see the talent of some of the residents. At every community, you can go in and and find a talented group of artists, whether they are painting and weaving or basket making or woodworkers. So making sure that communities have those types of spaces that the residents don't have to stop doing something that they have always done or love to do. Outdoor activities, depending on the location, have become a very big thing. Uh, Pickleball courts, bocce ball, outdoor swimming, as well as indoor swimming. There's a large variety of amenity spaces, and it often feels like a resort. And thinking about a project that you've designed now, the Riverwoods Durham Continuing Care Retirement Community in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. The design consists of 150 independent living apartments, and a 72-bed health centre encompassing assisted living, memory care and skilled nursing units. Can you outline how you designed the health centre and what was essential to consider for the memory care space? The skilled nursing and the memory care building was a multi-level building and each level of care was designed in what we call more of a neighborhood concept. So it's about a small neighborhood feel. So we had two wings that had 12 rooms 
And the whole idea is to keep it small and to keep it intimate as opposed to having to dine with 48 of your other friends. It feels a little bit more like a family and it's, you know, 12 residents. So the memory care level was, um, had two different neighborhoods, each 12 residents, and each neighborhood has its own dining area activity and living room. So it's not too overwhelming. It provides more of an intimate and residential feel, more familiar to what many of us grew up with, as opposed to, like I said, a a large gathering of people. The memory care, you know, there's little nuances that we've come to learn that are important when designing for those with cognitive impairments. So little things like walking and being able to safely navigate in an environment is important on your own. So making sure that the walking paths are clear, making sure that, you know, there are handrails that allow the residents to maneuver on their own without assistance. Wandering is a big thing. We try to keep residents engaged at all times. It all comes down to programming, really. And so there are communities that do a really great job of keeping residents, especially those with cognitive impairments, engaged throughout the day. But what we want to do is design spaces that can allow them to be active even more spontaneously, even on their own. So making sure that their environment provides certain types of activities that they can go and do on their own when there's not a organized program. So that might be like an activity and we call them lifestyle stations. So, you know, within a neighborhood, there might be six different lifestyle stations that are placed throughout the community that they can wander to at their leisure and sit down. And as an example, one of them might be a laundry station. It might be as simple as a table with a laundry basket and towels that they can sit down and do something that they've used to do their whole lives. And it gives them purpose and it gives them something to do. We've got a lot of you know communities where there might be a retired teacher or secretary or something like that. So there might be a writing desk with a typewriter and a phone and they can sit down and get to work. That's another example of a lifestyle station or gardening. Um, That's a big thing too. And RDG's process began by engaging with prospective residents to share concepts and seek feedback. How important is engaging with potential residents to your designs and what are some of the more common requests or needs of residents? Well, I think it's critical to engage the end users because I think that oftentimes we believe we know what is wanted out of a new community, whether that is the design aesthetic that is going to be preferred and well-liked or whether that's the type of amenity spaces that are going to be designed. We think we know because of you know all of the work that we've done or the feedback that we've heard from other communities when in reality, what we really do know and need to not forget is that every single community is different. Just because one community likes a certain aesthetic or must have an arts and crafts room that provides for all of the, the painters of the community. When it came to the Riverwood group and that project up in the Northeast, you know, one of the things that we learned was wellness and fitness was, was very important to them. Hearing all of that you know, it it did impact the design and meeting with them at a time that the design could be still modified to accommodate the requests and the feedback that we were hearing was really important. So, you know, one of the outcomes of that was making sure that, you know, we had multiple spaces for exercise and wellness. Thank you. And one final question now, 
What efforts do you make to ensure that elderly people can enjoy and use the spaces you design? For example, what acoustic and lighting choices can be made to aid those with hearing loss and loss of sight? Well, you know, to address the acoustical concerns, one of the big you know areas is within the the dining environments, and and again, we're designing a home for hundreds of people, so the scale is obviously larger. So, you know, in an independent living or assisted living, these dining, the restaurants, you know, think of them in terms of any other restaurant that you might go to, where you know it's not a family of five sitting down and eating at a at a table, but it's, you know, you, you might accommodate a group of 50, 100 or, or more people. So the scale is much bigger. So what we try to do is break down that scale and make it more intimate, both just from a from the way that the space feels, but also to address some of those challenges. So the sound and the noise. So making sure that we break down the scale a little bit and the finish is you want to make sure that not all of the finishes are hard. You need to have some resorting material. So as opposed to an all um, drywall gypsum ceiling that's just going to bounce the sound around, we oftentimes make sure that there's a nice blend of acoustical ceiling tiles and materials to help absorb some of that sound. Dividing up a large dining venue with attractive design features. Thanks, Kelly. They sound really comfortable places to enjoy life in with really comprehensive amenities. Thank you very much today. Really appreciate your insight into this area and how the nuances of design can make such a difference. My pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) 